Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Akusia Oche. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, the Court of Appeal overturns a decision by the High Court to start afresh the trial of Dr. Opuni and Seidu Agongo. But tonight we ask, what happens to the concerns raised by the trial judge over the lack of confidence in the ongoing case? Also coming up, should James Jachi Kwesin's trial, and I'm referring to the criminal one, continue even after his re-election, the Domahini things otherwise. And later on Eyewitness News, the politics of roads, residents of Ajekojo in Accra and residents of another community in the western region have been planning, well, one group planning to demonstrate, another group has been demonstrating today. They say the roads are in a poor shape. And even giving government 14 days to fix that road. Else, no campaigning activities ahead of election 2024. Stay with 97.3 CTF for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... CD classified among worst sports returns in Africa having depreciated by 11.21% in first half of 2023. This is according to Bloomberg. That's in 15 minutes. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations. We are across the globe on citynewsroom.com. We are also on YouTube and we are on Facebook. We are interactive. Join us on uh, WhatsApp 0549-986-996. On Twitter, my handle is at Umaru Sanda. You can tweet at me using the hashtag citynewsroom. You can also tweet at city973. Eyewitness News is effectively airborne from number 11, Dr. Martin Lupin at Abraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda. I'm here with Akosia Autry, who has a first story. And the first story has to do with a trial that appears to be never-ending. It has to do with former boss of Cocoa Board and a number of other persons who are standing trial with him. That case has been ongoing and involved a legal battle, in, including or involving the trial judge at the time, Justice Onyenuga, who has since retired. He has retired, but the case appears not to be retiring. Today, the Court of Appeal made a pronouncement that will change a lot about how the trial is going to proceed. Please tell us more. The Court of Appeal has overturned a decision of the trial judge in the Opuni case to start the trial afresh. Justice Anochi Jima, who took over the case after the retirement of Justice Honyanuga, directed that proceedings and evidence led under his predecessor be discarded to restore confidence in the trial. The state objected to the decision of the judge and filed an appeal. Attorney General Gofredi Wadame argued that the decision amounted to a miscarriage of justice. The appellate court today held that a trial judge erred by relying on irrelevant factors in taking the decision to start a trial from scratch. In an interview with City News, or to the media rather, after proceedings, Mr. Dame expressed satisfaction with the decision. 
indeed the position, the true position of the law, is that it is actually up to the trial judge to make that determination. And the trial judge makes that determination based on factors that it considers necessary. And if the parties are grieved by the size of that discretion, the parties are entitled to lodge an appeal, which we did. And we felt that the matters that were relied upon by the trial judge were, with all respect to him, quite irrelevant and, and therefore the proper thing to do, which is actually the most progressive step in the circumstances, was for the evidence to be adopted and for us to move on. And I think that it, it is actually a little bit backward, with all respect, for a trial which has advanced to this stage for another to be made that we should start in de novo. It will amount to giving the evidence um, twice. It will amount to giving any of the parties to the matter a second bite at the cherry. And I think that that is improper. Um, my respectful view is that where the proceedings are advanced, where the parties have led evidence, and indeed enormous expense and inconvenience will be subjected to any of the parties by another for the trial to start. The proper thing is for the evidence to be adopted. I mean, what is there I mean, to fear? If a party conducts his case very well, and we feel that, yes, the proceedings that have been, um, evidence that has been laid, is sufficient to warrant either a conviction or acquittal. The proceedings ought to be adopted. I've already initiated a bill for um, amendment of various parts of the Criminal Procedure um, Act of Ghana. The bill has already gone to the Judicial Council. The Judicial Council has considered it and has actually okayed it. And it makes provisions for adoption of evidence in, in clear terms by a trial court. It makes provision for a reform of the jury system. It makes for provision for a trial day to day, which is actually the norm. Indeed, it is only in this country where trial, um, especially in relation to financial offences, takes so long to conclude. That was Attorney General Godfrey Wadami. So a lot of issues there, but the Court of Appeals' decision is that the trial should not start afresh as had been decided by the uh, new trial judge. Alfred Tuayeboa is Deputy Attorney General. He is uh, at the Ministry of Justice and Attorney General's Department. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, my brother. Why did the Attorney General's Department decide to disagree with the trial judge's position? He said that he thought the case should try or be tried afresh because of all the issues that came up uh, in the course of the trial. For instance, the judge was accused of bias. He traveled all the way to the Supreme Court. There was a time where he was removed. And I'm referring to Justice Honyanuga. Um, number of challenges had come up in the course of this trial. Indeed, the trial itself has not gone far. Number of uh, rulings coming in the challenges coming up here and there. And motions being filed. The new trial judge believed that in order to sanitize the case and to ensure confidence in the case, let's start everything afresh. Why did the AG disapprove of this? Well, thank you very much. Now, in the course of trying a criminal matter in any court of law, when it comes to a case where uh, there's a new judge, the new judge, when he takes over, has a discretion to either adopt or start the novo. But in essence, that discretion, such a judge is supposed to look at various instances. And in this particular case, it was our considered view that even though the judge had the power to exercise his discretion, looking at the various parameters he had, and that's the base for which we filed the appeal at the Court of Appeal. 
So discretion, discretion to be exercised by the trial judge. And in this instance, he believed, based on his reading of the case, that the case itself is tainted and he believed that to sanitize it, start afresh. What factors did you consider as a department? For which reason you thought that even though the judge had a discretion, he should not exercise it in the manner he exercises this time round? Yes. I think one of the key points that the trial judge relied on has to do with the proceedings having been tainted. We argued that if you look at the evidence, and I'm, 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 I'm underlining the word evidence. If you look at the evidence adduced in the trial, there was no point during the trial that we can say that the accused person raised an issue with whether the judge was taking writing the right evidence or not record the right evidence. The evidence was intact. So in adopting proceedings, there has been our argument that the trial judge is supposed to look at the evidence, properly so-called, but not other matters. Now, for example, there were issues relating to the trial judge being biased, not being biased, motions were filed. All those motions were decided on by the Supreme Court, in terms of the Court of Appeal. And in court, if issues are determined into their finality, then there's, there's no issue again. If you raise an issue of bias against a judge, and then you go and appeal after the Supreme Court because there's no, there's no, there's no bias on the part of the judge. It means that that matter has come to an end. And for that matter, you cannot use it in subsequent arguments to say because of that, you may not want to adopt the evidence in the, that particular trial. That, 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 that has been our argument. How do you deal with public perception then? Because the, the, the decision, the challenges that we saw in the court, we traveled all the way to the Supreme Court, led to some level of public perception against the case. And indeed, even the, uh, the, the accused persons themselves may have some perception of the whole trial. Um, how do you cure that perception, uh, having gone to undo what had been done by the High Court judge? Yes, that is the beauty of rule of law. In fact, I will never fault the accused person for taking up issues in court in connection with this trial because that is his right. His fundamental right to appeal against rulings that disagree. The same way, the state also has that kind of right to appeal against decisions made by the court that the state disagrees. So for the past five years, the accused person has been filing appeals, applications, and I will not fault him because that is, that is his right to do so. In this instance, the state will decide to activate its right to, to file an appeal. And an appeal was filed. And today, the Court of Appeal agreed with the state. So uh, it is not as if someone is being un unfairly treated. In actual fact, both parties have the right to file for a process at the Court of Appeal or the Supreme Court. And if you look at this particular trial, for the last five or six years, the matter has gone to the Court of Appeal, the Supreme Court, then we come back, it goes back, we go, we come back. And this is not the first time that a ruling of a court of law has been overturned on appeal. And so for that matter, if this matter has been decided today, the fact that the matter should be continued, it is not the first time. And we must all accept it. Interesting. Now, while we are talking about the credibility and the challenges around this particular case, we have information that the trial judge 
whose decision was decided on today had actually been transferred. Is this something that you can confirm to us? And is there a possibility that the transfer has anything to do with his position? Because we are told that he is a quote-unquote no-nonsense judge and the state is not particularly happy with this position of his. And by punishing him, you've decided to transfer him to the to the to the courts in Kumasi. I know that that is not within the Attorney General's department to decide, but you are in the government. What do you know about this? I am aware that judges in Ghana, some judges in Ghana, have been transferred, including Justice Anochi Jima. The reasons for which judges are transferred, as you said, are not within the domain of the government or, for that matter, the Ministry of Justice. It is a singular duty of the Chief Justice to decide that judges may be transferred from Station A or to Station B. And this, these transfers, as I have already stated, is not only in connection with one particular judge. For my reading, some judges have been transferred, including this particular judge. And you can again convince the public that, and indeed the the accused persons that it has nothing to do with his tough stance on the case, which stance has been challenged by the states. And so people would only logically believe that that is why he was transferred because he's not willing to play ball. How would you convince the public and, and, the, and the persons who are standing trial? Yes, judges are supposed to be tough. Judges are supposed to give their decisions devoid of any other considerations but in accordance with law. If you disagree with a judge, the evidence is for you to appeal. If you disagree with a judge, you do not do anything to him. So in this particular case, this judge, in his wisdom, delivered a ruling, which they say decided to appeal against. And in the wisdom of the chief justice, there is this decision to transfer judges which has actually affected this particular judge. I do not think that his transfer has anything to do with a decision that is delivered. He's been on the bench for some time, and I, 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 I shudder to think that any chief justice may even want to go along that line, or that because you give decision A, I'm transferring to region B or region C. No, maybe it's by coincidence, but I don't think there's anything connecting the two, the, the orders, the, the ruling that he delivered, and then his transfer. Not at all. Very well, thank you so much. But do you have any indication that the the persons who are not happy with today's decision of the Court of Appeal may proceed to the Supreme Court on, on this matter or this is the end? They have the right to also appeal if they think that the decision delivered today is not something that they, 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 are, they agree with. So and, and as I stated, that is the beauty of rule of law. The Court of Appeal has delivered a ruling. They also may decide to appeal to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is also have a bite and then determine once and for all the state of this particular matter. So if they decide to exercise that option, we will not be surprised. Very well. Thank you so much uh, for, for your time and for speaking to us tonight. Thank you. That's Honorable Alfred Tia Iebua, his Deputy Attorney General. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF and we are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sandamad here with Akosia Otri. We will remain in the courts because the Domahini comment over the weekend has got 
everybody talking. It has to do with James Jachikwesi. Remember him? The guy who was elected on December 7, 2020 to represent the people of Asin North, whose election was challenged even before he was sworn in, which challenge led to a decision by the Supreme Court to say expunge his name from the, from the records. He goes for a by-election gets re-elected we are told he'll be sworn in is it today or the day after today tuesday we're told he'll be sworn in in parliament tomorrow now the question is there's a criminal trial against him on matters relating to perjury perjury means lying under oath and this is when he swore that he owed no allegiance to any country in the past but the courts have found that he owed allegiance to uh, Canada as well as Ghana, which flies in the face of the constitutional provisions on eligibility to be elected a member of parliament. Now, the calls for the prosecution or the criminal trial to be halted, one person who is leading that charge is a judge and a chief. We'll be playing for you what he said and the consequences thereof. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We are also around the globe on citynewsroom.com. Com. Uh, let's talk about James Jachikwesi now. Uh, he was elected uh, last week by the people of Asin North after a by-election was declared. Now, subsequent to that, a few issues that are arising. It has to do with whether or not uh, the trial should continue against him. And I'm referring to the criminal trial that the state has against him. Uh, that has become a subject of debate. The Attorney General has been responding now osia dear osia dear bedu the second is the chief of doma or the domahini now he uh, has been speaking uh, he he is a traditional leader but also a high court judge or a judge at the high court he was speaking during the john evans at a mill's 10th anniversary commemorative lecture held in sunyani on 1st July, and he said that the president, through the Attorney General, should file nolly prosequa, which means the state is no more interested in prosecuting a case as the law mandates. Let's listen to him make that statement directed at the president and get reactions from the Attorney General and more reactions. Without prejudice to the outcome of a court case, Pending before the High Court, yeah. Accra. Yeah. As a matter of urgency, yeah. I'm appealing to the President of the Republic yeah. if he has any role to play. Yeah. That trial should be aborted. The Attorney General should, as a matter of urgency, file a knowledge prosecutor to end that particular decision. No, Kweni, Samuel Engineer, Mingu Sabi Sabi, Mfaswobia, and the Bragana, said Danfono. You know, I love you. 
Yes. This matter cannot go on. Yes. Attorney General. Yes. So I don't know whether I should describe that as an instruction or an advice or a request because if your chief speaks to you and he has spoken there to the Attorney General, uh, who is uh, uh, this year of the land or a son of his land, I'm not sure how to interpret that, but he's also spoken to the president and said, let your attorney general withdraw that case. That's Osia Adeoyo Ajiman Bedu II. He is the Domahini, the chief of Doma, speaking at the 10th anniversary commemorative uh, lecture. That's John Evans-Atamil's 10th anniversary commemorative lecture in Sunyani. Today, journalists uh, who spoke to the attorney general, Godfrey Dami, on the um, Opuni case also asked him what his reaction was to this call by his chief. Listen to the Attorney General. I'm not going to comment on it right now. I'll come up with a proper statement on the matter. And it will be in respect of all comments generally which have the tendency to subvert the administration of justice. I think that is very unhealthy for our um, democratic dispensation and, and therefore we must not countenance him. I'll come up with a formal statement on it. That's Attorney General Goffred Yeboa Dami. The Honorable Ayikwe Otu served as an Attorney General under the John Kufour government. His immediate past um, High Commissioner to Canada for the Republic of Ghana. He joined us on the line for a quick comment on this. Plus, he's involved in the Alan Kwaju Chamantin campaign. We'll talk about that as well. Honorable Ayikwe Otu, you are welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you. How are you Thank doing, you. sir? Here with you, since uh, I returned in 2020, I have never had any interview with City FM. So it's good if you have decided to come back. It's, it's because you know you are now a, you are, we call you your excellency, so we are careful in, in calling you. That's why. So fine, forgive us. <laughs> no more. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. great. I'll, I'll talk to you about Alan Chamantin. You want him to be president of Ghana. We'll talk about that. But before then, um. You've heard the Domahini speak. He says, what's the point in continuing to trial James Jachi Kwesin? He was just re-elected last week. He's even yet to be sworn in. He'll be sworn in tomorrow, we are told. The Attorney General says he would come up with a response, a written response later. If you were the Attorney General, and again, I want you to handle this for us in two ways. As an Attorney General, you have political... Uh, responsibility, which is a political responsibility to the president and to your party, and also the administrative responsibility as Minister of Justice. How do you navigate issues that are politically tainted like this one? Well, in last week, I spoke with one of your sister radio stations. I made it clear that uh, the Attorney General is also a Minister of Justice and a member of cabinet. So, uh, what concerns the party and the government also concerns it. So it's not like a, an independent prosecutor, you know, who, who has been given a job to do, but uh, he has a responsibility towards his party as well as to the government itself. So these are things that could be negotiated, you know, that look... Uh, we, we have a constituency and we would like to win elections there. We, we've uh, founded this man out of parliament 
on very good grounds because constitutionally he was not qualified to be there. Now, at the time that we filed those papers, clearly he was not qualified. But afterwards, when his seat was declared vacant, he became qualified to contest because he no longer owed allegiance to any other country, which was the main point in the first case. Now we go for the by-elections in the week. I don't like those people who claim that he has increased his number. He didn't increase it and it came down. It was the same 17,000 something that he won the first side. The same 17,000. Yeah, but uh, there, there, were, there, were few number, there, there were a few numbers extra, but let's not debate that. He, he, he has extra no, no, numbers. I'm saying the percentage of 12% as against whatever he won with last time is the thing. But in terms of the votes, it's the same people who voted for him. Okay. Even lower. So now it's a matter of negotiation. If we want to win elections in a not next time, and we go on with this trial, and then we convict him in the likely event that we convict him, and then he gets out again, we're going to go through another by election, this time not with him. Now, what would the people of Asin North thinking of the MPC as a would they be ever comfortable voting us into power or would they decide that we'll never forgive us anymore? This is what we should be looking at because we, we need the numbers, yes. We need the numbers. So I think you cannot claim that you are uh, independent on your own and uh, you are taking administrative decision, and so you decided to enter a non without reference to your party. I don't think it is politically wise to do so, because at the end of the day, if you give an advice which is not bought into, the best thing for you to do is to tender in your resignation. And this is Africa. How many people tender in their resignation? They would rather be continue to be there with all the difficulties they're going to have. So, as a politician, I would not say that there is anything administrative in this matter. There is so much at stake because we need that one seat if, if we can get it, you know. And so you have to take that into consideration. That may be driving those who think that we should go all out, you know. But the point is, what are the chances of uh, annexing that seat when the people have shown they are revolting at people like what is happening to their MP, that we are depriving the MP of serving them. So it will be a good thing to enter a no life prosecutor and uh, stop all this to show some more maturity. But uh, you cannot, as an attorney general, do it on your own. You are not independent. You are part of a whole. And remember that... And you are bound by a cabinet decision, cabinet secrecy. Even if you disagreed with the decision as of the time it was being taken, once it has been taken, you are bound. You cannot go out to say that, oh, I didn't support it. You are bound to support it. So if you ask me, I mean, uh, what I will tell you is that there's a need for some negotiations, you know, a broader negotiations, consultations on the matter for the future of the MPP going to contest
next election is the last thing mm. If you were the Attorney General today, you would have advised your president, not advised, but possibly mentioned to your president that, you know what, I think it's not worth it. Let's drop this case, but let the president decide. Is that, some, is that what you're suggesting? I'm not even saying president, I'm saying cabinet. Well, I mean, but the, the head of the cabinet is the president, so... It doesn't matter. This is a matter which involves everybody. The party is involved. Seriously, we need one more seat. So everybody is involved. And the president is a democratically elected president. Our cabinet meetings are democratic. I mean, you go around the table to sample opinions. Before you, you so, so I get a wider picture. So my point is that for you, if you were the man whose job it was to prosecute, if you were the one who had the authority to withdraw the case, you would hint at the members of your party and all interested parties that listen, let's drop this case and prepare for maybe 2024. That's, that's the political thing to do, you think? Exactly. Okay, exactly. what about the legal thing? There's this issue that if you let him go... And having agreed by the highest court of the land that he was not a, he was not um, well, he owed allegiance to another country, but he claimed he did not. The issue of perjury that he has sworn to, if you let him go, it means you have left quote and unquote a criminal to go. How would you deal with the legal side of things and the precedent that will be set that henceforth in the future someone can contest using? Um, false document, but because they had an overwhelming endorsement by the population, you let them go through. How do you deal with that? An attorney general is not bound to give any reason for entry and online transport. So you don't give, you don't need to give anybody any reason. Now, I'm, I'm interested in the law. So, so there are so many online protocols that have been entered. Nobody gives any reason for entering online protocols. Whatever it is that you, I mean, it could be that you are not getting your witnesses who will come and testify for you. Whatever, whatever, whatever the reasons are, you are not bound. No, no, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to explain. I'm not asking you to jump. My point is that can, in building. Nobody, in, I'm saying that mm. what you are supposed to do is to enter a no life prosecutor. So long as you don't have to give any reason for entering the no life prosecutor, if you did all your consultations and you are okay with it, you can go ahead and enter the dollar principle. But we didn't give Aisha one out of this country. We did. But as a servant of yes, the law, would, would, your conscience, explain, would your conscience please, let you... forget about conscience. <laughs> I'm talking about politics. I know. I, I think we've dealt with the point. I wanted you as a lawyer now to speak. I remember when you appeared I before the Supreme Court. The truth. I have explained the truth to you already. I'm sorry, there are two sides. Again, let me emphasize that there's a difference between a civil claim and a, a criminal claim. In fact, the threshold for, for proving the guilt is beyond reasonable doubt, where, while this one is only on the balance of probabilities. So you can take all kinds of things into consideration and say that we will not even win. So long as there's some doubt, it's men's real. You know, when you begin to measure it, I don't want to go into that because the case is pending. You know, so please. As as so let, let the politics... The best way to go about it. Let the politics supersede the legal. You choose to do politics. That, you see, the difference between Africans and developed country people is that 
They write their memoirs, and you see that in their memoirs, they will tell you the decisions they took and why they took them. In Africa, we die with our memoirs. We don't tell anybody anything. And so this is a very good thing. <laughs> please, please, While we are that, honorable, you know the difficulty he was faced with and why he took a certain decision. While we are that, you please, know? please remember to write your memoirs. We would want to read about it. And before I move away from the <laughs> legal issues in the court, today the court of appeal made a decision that overturned a high court decision. Uh, the new high court judge who took over from mm. Justice Onyenuga said he wanted mm. to start the Opuni trial de novo. The Attorney General's Department disagreed and went to the Court of Appeal, and that has been overturned. The court of the High Court judge who decided to try this afresh thought that the case was tainted. Uh, the issue of uh, believability became a problem and credibility and all of that. So he thought, let's start everything afresh. What's your quick comment on that before we produce with the politics? Oh, there, there has been a precedent long ago that you see, one, you always want to start new cases because uh, a new judge has come into the matter, a new lawyer, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it's not fair to, to the parties. So the best thing is let the parties decide on adopting the uh, proceedings and then they can proceed. You know, so long as the parties can. Uh, 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 agree to adopt the proceedings, and it's far better to adopt the proceedings than to start afresh. You know how long that case has already taken, and imagine starting it all over again. It's still going to, you know, a lot of judicial time. But remember that in practical terms, a judge may die who had finished hearing the case but yet to give judgment. The new judge will take over. <laughs> The entire record of proceedings, we read it and give his own judgment. He doesn't need to have seen any instances. So it, it is a weak and lame uh, excuse. That is no one. Number two, the Court of Appeal, that at the end of the day, deals with the appeal record. I've not seen anybody. They just read the code facts and law and then apply them where the facts are such that. They are supported by the evidence or record. They will not interfere with them. What are the facts are such that they are not supported by the record, uh, evidence or record? They can interfere with it. So anybody can read a record. I have handled so many appeals that I never handled the cases at the lower courts. But it's only when we go to the appeal that the people rush and give, give me the record of appeal. And I started the record of appeal, went on it, went on, and won my cases. So it's nothing. He can read it and just form his uh, opinion about uh, the witnesses and all that and go and go on. Let's say from judicial side. I agree with the court of appeal. Very well. Uh, thank you so much on that. Now let's talk about Alan Kwaju Chemantin. He's a man who served under John Kufuor, uh went into that contest with Nana Dudan in 2007. They don't make it. Tried subsequently failed. This time around, he believes Edruniso. You are a former attorney general. You tried to be chairman of the party recently. It did not work well. But you are interested in seeing him be the torchbearer of your party and consequently the president of the republic. Why Alan Chamanti and nobody else out of the lot? Well, you you know that uh, Alan Kwaju is a 
you have a field and you can choose to support any of them. We have 10 aspirants for now, if my memory serves me. Right, 10 aspirants. You don't expect, I have only one vote. I can ask my vote for only one person. You don't expect me to say that I'm going to, you know, uh, support more than one. So which clearly, I must have to choose one. Not one, in my view, is Alan. Um, he has been loyal to the party, served in this party, served in, you know, uh, the position of uh, Minister of State. Uh, he has paid his dues, and as you rightly pointed out, he contested with Nana when the 17 people went in for uh, that uh, uh, contest, and uh, nobody was able to cross the 50% line. Now, what happened that day is what informs people to keep saying that there is a tradition which must be followed and it is a tradition. Now, look, in the first contest, it was Adubayin and Kupal. Adubayin won. Later, when there was a need for a change, it was Kupal. Then he was challenged by Nana and uh, he lost. But according to Nana, before came to him and told him that you are young, you will never finish my pen and it will be your turn next time. I will support you. Then comes Alan and Nana at Legon. And then Nana, unable to cross the 50, we had to go in for a run. And then Alan says, no, let my senior brother go. In his acceptance speech, look, this is what Kufor told me the last time, that he's older than me, and he must have to do it according to our tradition. Now I can, you can come next time. So, Alan, it's your time. I'm next time around. You would go. This is what we mean by that tradition. And as far as we are concerned, this is his time. It is the best Maoistan stall amongst all the rest. Hmm. But but the, the flaw now, in that tradition, according to critics, Honorable, is that if Alan really believed in hereditary or succession to the throne of the new patriotic party, he should not have contested Nanadudan Kwakufado the number of times he did. He should have simply yeah. said, Edronisu, let Nanado go through. But he did not. Yeah. On all occasions that yeah. the place was vacant, except in 2020, he contested the old one. So why should he say that that principle should play now when it because it has got into his turn? Do you remember somebody called Adainimo? Francis Adainimo. He's still in yes. the race. Yes. Well, before he came in, nobody gave him, or at the time he decided to run, nobody gave him a dog stance, isn't it? But he surprised everybody by making a very good showing in the time. The next time he tried, he was told that, please, hold on. He said, no, you won't hold on. What, what happened to him? He's trying again, I believe, either the second or the third time. But that is where the, the tradition comes in. And sometimes it's also to, to, to market oneself. You know, let the people know that you are, you are still interested. You so know, he wasn't he wasn't contesting to win. He was contesting to show the people that he is around. The, the yes, times he that, did in the that, past. That, that would be. I have not 
spoken to him about it. This is the time that I'm supporting him because I think it is a time. I, I was not part of, I was not in this campaign the previous ones, but I'm only thinking about it. That look at Francis and Dynamo. Well, you know, he, he surprised everybody. I do recall that his next attempt, he was told that no, hold on. And he said no, he wanted to go. And he constantly has been going. So you have to look at the dynamics of the Gatati election and his own dynamics. And we think that looking at the dynamics now, the, 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 the best phase for us will be Alan. The best phase for us will be Alan. Other faces will give us problems. Honorable, is it is it is it longevity that you look out for or competence? Because the question would come up to that when it really eventually gets to that. Is it the guy who can secure you the vote and the guy who has shown that he has worked for the party, even though he may not have been in the party for uh, the many years that you're expecting, or you believe that it's a queue and you must wait your turn? And if that's the case, you would buy. Or you 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 then end up uh, falling in the hands of people who say that the New Patriotic Party is a party of Yenimunufrit Dada or Yenimunufrititi, and so if your father or grandfather was not in the party, you have no room in there. You are a gunman. You know the contribution of gun people in the party. Uh, you know the contribution of Northerners in the party. Should people be voted for because of their father or grandfather or their longevity in the party? Or it should come down to their competence and what they can do and what they stand for. But who says Alan is not competent? He has shown his competence. He saved the party by saying that I'm not going to go into a second round with him, let him go. That is the unity on his part. He's, he's done a lot of work. He, he, he championed the AFCTA, the ASCAP. As you know, Nkrumah has been talking about the fact that uh, neo-colonialism and uh, imperialism is uh, uh, a disturbing aspect. The best way is to unite and to train among ourselves. That eluded in Ghana and uh, Africa for a long time. Through his efforts, we've gotten in the headquarters in Accra. We've gotten some uh, uh, vehicle assembling plant in this country. You know, we all because he was then the Minister of Trade, including these paperless and things that you have at the airport, at the airports and all that, and the money that they were able to break in. You know, so he's shown his competence in, in many, in many other ways. You know, he's not the best to discuss others who are not here. He also have their problems, but I'm telling you that with the difficulties that. Uh, that we now, it will be a better place like we had in the in Nigeria, you know, to bring in a new face all together. Very well. Wish you all the best on the campaign and thank you for speaking to us tonight. Uh, it's a pleasure. That's Honorable Ayukwe Otu. He is a former Attorney General. He is Ghana's uh, former High Commissioner to Canada. And he's a member of the Alan Kwejo Tremantin campaign team. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we have some other stories, don't we, Akusia? Yes, we do. And before before you share those stories, let me just uh, remind our listeners who are moving out of Accra, who want to know how they can listen to Eyewitness News, that we're on a number of partner stations uh, on Nobia FM 98.1 in Nalirigu, 
Quality 88.7 FM in Garu, Radio Gaki 88.3 in Saboba. We are on Freedom 88.1 FM in Sogakopa, Heritage 107.3 FM in Hohwe. We are on Adrian Park 99.9 FM in Inkawie. We are on Greener 95.9 FM in Suyani. We are also in the Western region on Adrian Power 100.7 FM in Takwa, Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, and Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi. Akosia. Now, the Member of Parliament for New Juabin South, Michael Kofi Ochebefi, says government is on course to finish the 35-kilometer outfitting of Koforidia Town Roads within the shortest possible time. The Deputy Minister of Trades and Industry uh, indicated that ancillary roads in the municipality will also see a major facelift as contractors who have abandoned sites are set to return to complete their work. In an interview with City News on the state of roads in the eastern region, Michael Kofi Ochebefi indicated that a good number of bad roads in the municipality will be fixed before the end of this government's tenure. We are trying to do this asphalt overlay. We are, we are trying to fix about 35 kilometers of asphalt road in Kofuridia, which is on course. I mean, I mean, everything will be done to make sure that we'll be able to finish within the shortest possible time. And that is not the only only road we are tackling. We are also looking at the ancillary roads. Um, I mean, those auxiliary roads in town, other roads that are also beneficial to the people. We are trying to fix all the roads. Engagement. I had one-on-one engagement with the president last two weeks and he has given me full assurance. Myself uh, and the president. Later on I also engaged the president uh, with the municipal chief executive and, and the constituency chairman. And the assurance has been given to us that he will make sure that these roads will be fixed. And so we are counting on his uh, assurance. And uh, also the good news is that uh, last week the roads minister also gave us assurance that he's going to pay uh, the contractor on the Bugri, Apenka Road. So we are sure when those monies are paid, these contractors will also go back to site and they will continue. I'm sure by the end of this year, at least, Kofodia will see some good lights as far as the road network is concerned. Year of roads. I mean, we, we, we will not say that because we have been fixing the roads. I mean, it is not that we, we left it unconcerned, but at least we have put some agency in it. It is something that we are doing. So it's, I mean, starting from 2017, that has been one of the priorities of government, and we are on course. So it is not this year alone. It has been it started from 2017, and we are on course. We hope before we exit power. I mean, in 2024 or when this tenure, this government tenure ends, we'll be able to fix a lot of roads in the country. Especially in the municipality, the South municipality. That was Member of Parliament for New Job in South, Michael Kofiotri Bayfi. Now, the chiefs and people of Nyankrum, Ambuesi, and Shamai in the Western region today embarked on a demonstration over the poor state of their roads. The demonstrators blocked the main roads to Nyankrum and Shama, causing heavy vehicular traffic. According to the protesters, authorities have failed to fix their roads, although they host important national installations such as the Abuja Thermal Plant. In an interview with City News, the Queen Mother for Nyankrum, Nana Akusia Jim Fiaba, said the situation is affecting them negatively. 
for almost eight years now nothing absolutely nothing has been done on our roads they said year of roads 2020 2021 2022 we didn't express anything we didn't get anything not even half a kilometer half a kilometer of road nothing absolutely nothing oh uh we we are we are singing our songs we are singing our songs we are singing our own songs now we are singing our own song. If they don't hear and they come and uh, do the needful, they come and do the rightful thing, we'll take another action. Because this demonstration will go on and on and on and on. We are not stopping because we are tired. We are fed up. We are just fed up. Look at our district capital from Shema Junction to the district capital. Look at the road. So, so bad. So shameful. Why? When the president comes to Shama, he passes on that road. Which minister passes? Everybody passes on that road. You go to the district assembly. Why have you neglected us? What have you done? Are we not part of Ghana? Are we not Ghanaians? Are we not giving the Western way? Pregnant women get miscarriages. Why? Why? Are you also uh, reducing our number? You don't want us to go. Then when it's election time, you want numbers. But you are killing our people. How can you get the numbers? That was Queen Mother Fonyang Krum Nana Akusia Jim Fiaba. Meanwhile, the demonstrators expressed disappointment with the unavailability of the district chief executive of Shama, Ebenezer Dadzi, to receive their petition. We are not surprised that our MP, our DC, our coordinating director, none of them is here. But the kind of torture, the kind of pain they've made us go through, that has pushed us to embark on this demonstration. Had it been that they had come forward to give us information, to let, uh, let us know that indeed it's in the pipeline, they are working on it, we wouldn't have come this far. I, we think that it's about time we took the bull by the horn. That is why today we are here. Yes, there were, there were unpleasant scenes between the police and the demonstrators. We were having peaceful demonstration. But when we were coming from Yenukom to Shamak Junction, there was no policeman. But we were able to conduct ourselves properly and well. We were well organized until we go to uh, Shamak Junction when the drivers have decided that no, no car should move. When we got there, the police allowed some taxi drivers and trotro to move. They infiltrated the drivers and they were they confronted the police. Why did they allow them? To, then the uh, uh, the tear gas exploded, and then people said they 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 shot gun, blah blah blah, and that brought the confusion. Uh huh. It's it's no good, but uh, it is also to protect the police. Queen Mother of Shaman. Let's still stay on roads because a group identifying itself as a concerned citizens of Ajay Kujo has threatened to prevent the member of parliament for Tema West, Carlos Ayinkra, from embarking on any political activity in the area, citing the poor state of their roads. The group has further indicated its plan to organize demonstrations should government fail to meet a 14-day ultimatum to make the roads more trouble. Speaking at a press conference to amplify their concerns, convener for the group Evans McCarthy has been highlighting the negative impact of the impassable roads. The Ajekojo Canal to Global Town stretch west, Ajekojo to Sun City stretch, and the Sun City to Global stretch west, and then Global to Solomon City stretch. But and other Ajekojo Township roads, we therefore plead 
with the government and the municipal assembly not to trivialize this issue and to start work on this above-mentioned roads as quickly as possible. However, failure to heed to our request will mean that they are inviting us to hit the streets in the name of demonstrations 14 days in order to ram home our grievances. Finally, we the concerned citizens in this community have also resolved not to allow any politician, especially the member of parliament for Tema West constituency, Honorable Carlos Ainkra, to come to Ajay Kojo and its adjoining communities for any political activity. In this upcoming, in case they term deaf ears to our plea, we have no option than to hit the road with a demonstration. Evans McCarthy is the convener for the concerned citizens of Ajay Kujo in Accra. Away from that, President Kufuado says his government is determined to achieve the UN Sustainable Development Goal 6, which, require, which requires all subscribing countries to ensure access to water and sanitation for all. The president made the remarks at the commissioning of phase three of a water project in the Volta region. The project provides potable water for a population of over 89,000 people from the Adaklu, Agotimeziope and Central Tong districts. President Ekufuaru in his address said the government will ensure that the lack of potable water in rural Ghana becomes a thing of the past. The focus of government is to ensure that all regions across the country are provided with adequate, safe, affordable and reliable water services. We're also committed to ensuring that we practice safe sanitation and hygiene by the year 2030, 2030 in line with the attainment of the 2030 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Our strategic goal is to use a multifaceted approach with emphasis on governance and sector institutional strengthening to accelerate access to equitable watch services throughout Ghana. Regarding SDT number six, which demands that we provide clean water and sanitation for all, the Kufuado government has made significant progress towards this objective. You may recall that in a ceremony at Abedjofer in the whole West District, on the same day I cut the sword for commencement of the five districts water supply project, I commissioned completed projects under the water supply improvement project of the Ghana Spain Debt Swap Development, implemented by the Community and Water Sanitation Agency CWSA, and the total cost of three million seven hundred and eighty thousand United States dollars for a beneficiary population of seventy-five thousand. That was President Okufuado. Now, way to education, the Commission for Technical and Vocational Training, TVET, says it will deploy a test serialization system in its upcoming 2023 Certificate 2 exams for technical students slated for July 10 to August 4. August 4. The test serialization will generate different versions of the same questions but with different positions of the test items, options, and keys on the question papers. Speaking at a, a media briefing, the Director General of the Commission, Dr. Fred Chase Asamoah, said a system will reduce issues of cheating and leakage of exam questions. 
And we want to make sure that our learners in the TV sector are fully prepared for the job market because they will have to make decisions that will get to do with the life of all of us. And some of the characteristics of this serialization will be easy to test students with different versions of the same test uh, or the same set of questions. It will allow the same test item to be administered at different examination centers. It will produce consistent and comparable scores and measures the same content and constructs within each particular year. It will encourage teachers and learners to do effective teaching and learning in schools before examination. We all know that mostly when it gets to the end of a year when there's examination, some instructors or learners wait to buy questions from fake websites, from some of them you can hardly describe what they do. Forgetting that the person that is writing exam could be the person that will be building his next building. Or that same person will be the one that could be uh, taking part in whatever process during the time of surgery. So we want to make sure that we encourage teaching and learning prior to examination. It's also easy to administer using the same instructions, directions, and duration. It will ensure fairness, test security, and integrity of certificate. It will reduce perennial leakage of examination papers at examination centers. We discourage candidates from relying on Apple, scammers, and fake questions from the social media platforms. Director General of the Commission for Technical and Vocational Training, Tibet, Dr. Fred Che Asamoah. Now, the Nanumba South District Security Council in the Northern Region has directed feuding factions in the Luni traditional disputes to cease fire. This follows a meeting between the council and the factions. The clashes left residents fleeing the area under deployment of security personnel to maintain calm. Two persons were subsequently arrested, providing an update to City News. The chairman for DISEC, Zakaria Isifu, said the leaders of the various groups have been charged to use appropriate channels to address their concerns. When they all decided to throw caution to the wind, we walked to the scene of self-destruction. And that happened. So when we brought them, essentially we made them to understand that they were culpable. They could not absolve themselves from the, the difficulties they have thrown the, the district and Lungi specifically into. All the popular, uh, the, the, the negative reasons we have become popular. Because them, they were responsible. So we're not giving them chance anymore to hold anybody to ransom, but to tell them that they should use the appropriate channels, the right factors to seek redress for their uh, chieftaincy matters. But that chieftaincy matters do not lie within the ambit of West uh, Dysek. So we're only to facilitate the process and nothing else. So if they go home and they refuse to follow the right channel, even the appropriate structures, they should not blame anybody if anything bad happens to the leadership that we have always engaged in our discussions, expecting them 
to relate the same information to their followers, to stay calm and be civil in whatever they do. So essentially, that was what we told them. And since then, we have not had any negative development from the area. That has even prompted us to review the number of police presence in the community. Zakaria Isifu is the chairman of the Nanumba South District Security Council in the northern region. Meanwhile, the two persons who were arrested for their alleged involvement in the disturbances have been granted bail. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Hello and welcome to City Business News and Eyewitness News brought to you by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. Let's settle for the details. Ghana's local currency has still been classified among African currencies with the West spot returns. This is according to a Bloomberg report. On the world currency ranker, the CD's performance placed 17th, depreciating by 11.21%. However, financial analysts in Ghana are still projecting further stability of the city after Ghana received the first tranche of the three billion US dollar IMF bailout. Economist and currency analyst at GCB Capital Limited, Courage Booty, has been speaking to City Business News. Generally, so far in 2023, the CD has been relatively stable compared to what we know we knew from 2022. Last week, it was relatively more stable on the interbank market. Uh, fairly stable on the retail market. I think it gained some some uh, uh, persuasive really and closed the week. But from now going, it will be more of that relative stability around the levels we see now. Those are the levels we could see it in the next few maybe days and weeks ahead of us until something extraordinary happens again on the market that changes the dynamics. We are still very much in that junk territory uh, and still at the distress levels really so it doesn't change so much. You would see movements around the current levels. We are approaching July our guest periods really and if there is a sense of cocoa loan coming in, if there is a sense of maybe we approach another IMF disbursement and all of that, those could be significant that can move the city. That was economist and currency analyst at GCB Capital Limited, Courage Buti. Now, some oil marketing companies have reduced prices of petroleum prices slightly following a marginal drop in the first pricing window of July. The reductions can be attributed to the fall in the price of gasoline and LPG. Earlier projections are that the depreciation of the city remains insignificant to the price of fuel at the various pumps. Here's Duncan Amwa, the Executive Secretary of the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers Ghana, speaking to City Business News. I can confirm that pump prices are indeed going to ease up slightly for the first window in July. This will be as a result of international trading numbers, uh, which as I speak with you, have seen a slight decline uh, in the prices of gas oil. Gasoline uh, did 
a little upward of less than 2%. The city has been relatively stable, although there's been some marginal depreciation. Give or take, you could get about 10 pesos, 12, 15 pesos reduction on both petrol and diesel for the first window in July. LPG prices, we also would expect, would rather stay stable, not likely to be any changes in the uh, due to one international market prices, and then again the forex position as we speak. Um, so I would be expecting, we would be expecting that maybe by close of day, uh, some of the OMCs would have adjusted prices downward. Executive Secretary of the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers Ghana, Kopek Duncan Amwa. Finally, the Chartered Institute of Human Resource Managers in collaboration with accounting firm KPMG has officially launched the Human Resource Outlook and Benchmark Survey today. This comprehensive survey aims to address various aspects of the human resources landscape. The CEO of the Institute, Dr. Ebenezer Agbeto, expressed his anticipation regarding the service findings, emphasizing its potential to combat issues such as salary inequity. For sure, where employees are not properly motivated in terms of salaries or other benefits, naturally they will feel badly done with. Hence, giving out their best becomes a challenge. So, therefore, if authentic you know information on salaries or benefits are made available industry per industry and i'm really emphasizing on this because every industry varies from the other and what they can afford also varies from in uh, one place to the other so when this information are made available then it will have to be compelled to look at it and see to it that at least you must be seen to be paying the bare minimum whereby employees will know that for nothing at all, our employer. Dr. Ebenezer Agbeto is president of the Chartered Institute of Human Resource Managers. And that's it for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akosia Otre. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank, the new patriotic party has begun vetting its presidential aspirant or flag bearer aspirant. Three persons appeared before the vetting committee today. The vetting committee is chaired by former Speaker of Parliament, former MP for Don Kabinya, Honorable Aaron Mike Okwe, Professor. 
Alan Kwejo Chamantin was the first to appear before the, appoint the Vettings Committee of the party, followed by Kojo Pokun Safwa and then Dr. Mamudu Baumia. Earlier on Eyewitness News, we heard from the camp of Alan Kwejo Chamantin. Let's hear now from Kojo Pokun Safwa. He sat before me here on Point Blank a few weeks ago and said he wanted to run for president, but he needed the NPP vehicle to use for that job. Mr. Kojo Nsafo, you're welcome to Point Blank on Eyewitness News. Well, no, thank you, uh, Omaru. My name is Kojo Nsafo Apoku. Um, I don't know how you keep turning that up and upside down. So the key is in the middle. Apologies. Yes, the key is in the middle. How how was the vetting today? Very well. Went very well. Family affair. I mean, nice to meet all the new friends, old friends that I didn't see for a while. But um, it went well. Very, very well. Very interactive and um, very informing. When you're going for elections and they invite you to vetting, usually it's a place that you expect to be grilled. In that, some of the newspapers today use the word grilled. Were you grilled? Well, you have. we have submitted some documentation. We have submitted our um, hope and aspirations. We have submitted quite a number of documents. So they needed clarification on some of the things that we stated in the documents that we submitted to them. So if somebody wants to call that grilling, I think, well, that's a word somebody can use. But when it comes to me, I, I really don't see this as a grilling. I see that as an interaction. So they were testing you on your own CV then? Well, they were just basically asking questions based on information that we have submitted to them, yes. Was there anything that they asked you to go and uh, return to finish the committee with, or they were satisfied with your performance? Well, they were satisfied with my performance. I had a clap at the end of it. Um, I was told that there's anything that will be communicated to me in due time, so that's how it was left. So what next? What next? Um, we've been going around introducing ourselves to the delegates, dissemination our information, telling the people what we want to do to change the country and party. I think that continues. We're going to continue um, with that, um, giving the information and various delegates that will vote. Now, what have you been telling MPP delegates? Well, now you need to pass the hurdle of the first 900 before you go to the generality of the party. Do you, for instance, have the list of all the 900 people that you are supposed to be campaigning to now? Or how is the approach like? Well, I have been around all 16 regions. I have met all, about 85%, I won't say all, but about 85% of the delegates that will be voting in terms of regional executives and the constituency leadership, they form the majority. Um, there are the MPs that I have met, some that I've not met all. But I'm confident that in the coming weeks, um, we would definitely be able to conclude that list of from the 85% to get to close about 95%. I don't think we'll be able to talk to everybody or meet everybody, but um, we want to get close to that 100% mark as much as possible. Uh, uh, what we've been telling... Go ahead. Go on. What we've been telling them is very simple. We want to reform. We think that the current status quo from what we've been told by the people who are doing the work, which is the constituency leadership, they tell us that the situation that they are in needs attention. I believe that a party, a political party, is like a pyramid. The energy is at the base. And if the base complains, everybody should take it serious. 
And if you go to the grassroots, they tell you all these things that are going wrong. And those are some of the things that I have basically listened to and prefer solutions to some of them. So I think it's going down well. And if you look at the reception I have had in all the regions I have been to, those that do not even make time to come to the meetings I have had have called me and said, look, we heard about your message and we think that is the best for us so far. All right. Um, we are not having the system that the U.S. has where you go to caucuses and then convince them and get endorsements. How do you interpret the responses of the delegates when you meet them? How do you know that this group of delegates is going to for me and that group does not want me? Are you able to read that or you're only preaching to them and hoping that they, they listen? No, um, for me, how I gauge is the, after, the phone call after. Every meeting that I have been to in all 16 regions, I follow up the following day or two days after we phone calls to everybody that attended the meeting and also who those that did not attend the meeting. Now, when you do that follow-up phone call and have that one-on-one, you get a sense of whether those people actually absorbed your message and the encouragement that they give you to urge you on. So for me, the, the measure, the yastic I have is the conversation I have with the individuals on the one-on-one after these meetings in all the regions that I have been to. And that has really told me a lot because some people in the midst of their colleagues or in the midst of everybody might not say much. Some will say much, but when you call them one-on-one, and I have spoken to quite a number of people, especially the constituency chairman, um, and the encouragement and the reassurance and the contribution they give you tells you that one, they really listen to what you told them. Two, they bought into the message because they now tell you about their own experiences and what they think should be done. So for me, that's the measure. You have done 16 regions. Alan Chamartin says he's going to begin his nationwide campaign. What is your plan? Are you going to return and do a second leg or you believe that you have reached everybody and that should be it? You're going to rest and wait and see what happens in August. No, I've not reached everybody. Like I said earlier, I've done 85%. Look, that was the first round of um, introduction. We need, I need to do a second round or if possible, a, a third round. Um, but it's, it's a strategy that I have and I'm not really going to put my strategy out on air. I have an, an internal strategy of those that I want to engage, those that I'm engaging, those that I have to physically go see them to basically engage further. I have a grouping that I have done within my team. The team have grouped basically those that I have interacted with Within a certain mark, I've given some of them maybe uh, between one and four and between five to ten. Those that I think is between one and four means more work needs to be done. I'll keep engaging them. If there's a need to physically go see them, I'll physically go see them. Those that are between five and six um, are ones that I might not need to go see them. But if I'm to go visit their constituency, it will be to go there and basically meet the broader delegates. So that strategy is an internal KMP strategy, and I don't think I want to divorce that. What's the role of money in the campaign? When you meet delegates, do you have to give them money? Um, when I have met delegates, look, it's a give and take. Let me give you an example. You all, most of the constituency executives and constituency, sorry, most of the regional executives and constituency chairmen do not live in the regional capital. So I'll give you an example. If I go to Kufuridia and I ask that a meeting should be organized for me in Kufuridia, Technically, all the constituency chairman could say that, look, I can't make it come to where I am. So you might have to have to visit all 33 um, constituencies in the eastern region. But if they decide to drive their pickups to Koforidia from Yilo, Manya, 
of Mwase, Oyibi, all the other areas in Priyasu and converge, the lower uh, Achim and all those areas to come to converge in Kupuridia. The least you can do is basically pay for their petrol. So what I have done is basically engage the chairman and show appreciation for their coming and pay for their fuel for coming to see me. Because otherwise, I would have to spend that fuel and go to them. So I show appreciation for them coming to converge in one place. So I give them their fuel for coming. I'm just curious, how much do you give them for fuel? Um, I, I think it's not something I want to divulge. But basically, I, I, we look at the distance they have traveled. Now, I'll give you a typical example. Somebody will come from the Afram Plains. Okay, Afram Plains North, they have to go over the ferry and they have to drive all the way to Koforidia. You cannot give that same person the, for fuel as the person who basically is probably in Koforidia who just came to Koforidia for a meeting. So what we do, and what I, I should say, what I do is that I speak to the regional executives who know how far these um, chairmen have to travel and some of their um, regional executives have to travel. When I went to the Northeast, there were, there were regional executives that were in Accra that have to travel to Wale Wale just because I was coming and they came to meet me. I called, I coordinate with the uh, regional secretary to find out these individual issues. And then we basically um, re- refund their fuel, as, so to speak, or their transportation, so to speak. So that is what I do. But it is not something you give on a blanket. You basically look at where the person is coming from to basically know. Somebody is coming mm-hmm. from Ofuanse. You can't give the person from Ofuanse the same as somebody who's coming from maybe uh, a Sujia or something. So we look at the first and then basically compensate accordingly. What you're doing in the English language can be called vote buying. You don't agree? Not at all. Why would it? If you give somebody fuel for coming to see you, why why would you be buying the person's vote? Is there any such thing as vote buying? Let me even ask that. What? Why would you think something is vote buying? Because you you're giving you the person buy, money oh, hold on, so hold on, that. Hold on. No, 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 no. Hold on, my brother. To buy a vote is to buy a conscience. Nobody can buy anybody's conscience. No amount of money can buy a conscience. You see, that's where we use it loosely. Vote by what? What? What is vote by? Somebody is going to put uh, their thumb on your basically based on a contest. What you are trying to say is that you are basically buying a conscience. You can't buy conscience. When you give somebody money for fuel for coming to see you, don't ever equate that to buying a conscience. Because if a, a constituency chairman drives his car and it costs him, let's say, 500 cities in and out, you want that to be his cost? To come in to, for coming to where you said there's going to be a meeting, he doesn't have to come to Koforidia. So he drives to Koforidia and his cost for in and out is 800 cities. You think that it should be his cost or it should be your cost? The one who organized if, if the person is a diehard party member, the person should pay for that to come and listen to all the leaders who no, are but that is not putting a party, themselves up. It's not a party activity. It's not a party activity. It's a party activity. The party is no, looking no, for me, a, rep- a candidate, and and you have put yourself you up. The party, the party supporter who believes that the party should progress should pay because okay, the party so pays dues. The party pay, the okay, party so supporter pays you. dues. He should be able to pay for the transportation to come and listen to all the he leaders pays, and make he, a choice. He pays who? The constituency pays who? Did, sorry, say that again. Said I'm saying that the party who? executive pays dues already anyway. So he should be willing the to pay... Yes, but the, the dues he pays doesn't come to... The dues he pays go to the party. I'm just saying that he's now, been sacrificing me, already. No, 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 so he should me, be able to me, sacrifice me, and come and me, listen let to you. you. Let me ask you a simple question. Okay? I, I will not answer you, but you, you are, can ask. You are a general... Oh, well, let me ask you. You are a journalist of City News. 
you have your salary that you pay. But if you are to go on rounds using your own car, you claim the fault from the company, won't you? I've already said I'm not answering, so Well, proceed. that's fine. That's what it, I run. I run multiple companies, and that's what everybody does. Everybody who is paid a salary, when they use their own car, not company car, to do errands, they claim the fault from the company because the errands they're doing is errands that in otherwise you'd have given them a car to do. So I don't see how. You expect it is look. There are two meetings, and let me give you a typical example. When the me the, the regional executive committee, which includes the leadership of the constituency, they meet maybe once every three months. If you call the constituency chairman or sorry, you call the regional executive, you call the regional secretary or the regional chairman, and he said, "Oh, uh, could you? We are meeting on this day, so you can come and meet us." That one, you are being invited to a regional executive committee meeting, which when they come, they are going to come there to discuss party matters anyway. So when you go, how they go there is not your problem. So nobody expects you to give anybody anything. Okay? But when you call the region and tell the region that, oh, on this day, please call all the chairman and the regional executive to come and meet me. And you're saying that that is a party, that's a party activity? It's not. Why should right. they come and meet you? All right. Thank you. Thank you. And wish you all the best. We'll come back to you again in the course of your campaign to test the mood and wish you no all the problem, best. My That's you. Kojo Nsafuapoku. He is an NPP flag bearer aspirant. He went through vetting today at the party headquarters, awaiting the feedback from the vetting committee. Uh, but he says he's going on with his campaign. Another person who went for vetting today is the vice president, Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia. One of his spokespersons is Miracles Gav, um, Miracles. Abuaji, Dennis Miracles Abuaji, as a former municipal chief executive. You're welcome to Eyewitness News, sir. Hello? Miracles, can you hear me? Yes, Mario, I can hear you. Great. So the question is, the newspaper said the aspirants were going for grilling. Was your boss grilled today? <laughs> I I don't know why they, they decided to use grilling, but if that's how they want to describe it. But I know Vertin... It's quite a common thing that a lot of us know how it goes. It's the platform to really interview aspirants and ascertain how they qualify to even run for 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 the positions that that they want to they want to they want to stand for. I think it's a it's a common practice. It's a standard activity that happens in in several other places, not just the MPP presidential primaries. And the vice president subjected himself to 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 the to the process of that. At the end of the day, what was his assessment of his own performance, and what was his assessment of the whole exercise? I think vetting is not necessarily one that you mark yourself as to how you perform in terms of um, oratory or, or, or delivery. It's just to ascertain your level of qualifications, and so what is key is what the criteria or the criteria that the vetting committee is, is using. And basically, it's common knowledge that the the party has a certain uh, set qualification criteria that you need to meet. If, of course, you cannot be a CPP member and come and file to run for the flag bearer of the MPP. And so you, that needs to be ascertained at, at, at a vetting. If... Um, the requirement is that you need a certain number of party people to endorse. That is to nominate you to, to be able to run. The British committee has a responsibility to even verify and, and ascertain whether indeed 
the required number of party people who are supposed to nominate you have done same. So there are certain set criteria that a party looks out for, for, for who qualifies to run, first of all, uh, for the office of the flag bearer of the party, and as to oh, your, your readiness to actually go through, go, go through that process. So that's what the vetting is about. So it's not one for you to say, oh, I delivered, oh, I, I performed. So as to whether you check all the lists, whether you, you, you take all the boxes uh, as, as required by the party's rules and regulations. Mm. So what next for the campaign? The vice president is, is, is going to go back to, to his campaign. Um, as you may be aware, the past few days he was in Greater Accra. He's had a very successful Greater Accra regional campaign, campaign period. And um, he's moving next to the Ashanti region in the next few days. And then we continue in the Ashanti region to engage the party people at the various levels to to let them know why he believes he's the best qualified party person to lead our party into into election twenty twenty four. So that's that's what is next, Ashanti region. And the response, how has it been from from delegates? It's, it's been quite overwhelming. And Umari, I'm sure you you you've been following. I mean, um, the reception that the vice president has received. Across the length of breadth of the of the of the country, is quite is quite overwhelming. In the Greater Accra, it was it was even more like a carnival in in most of the constituencies that that were visited. And people are not hiding the the level of support for the vice president. They they are showing open support for 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 the vice president, and that's even more more encouraging. And that also encourages the vice president to know that okay, he is not in this alone. And that the people um, that he wants to lead are actually ready for for his leadership, and it's quite it's quite inspiring. And that is spurring him on even more into into the the other regions. Wish you all the best, and thank you for speaking to us tonight. Thank you, Mario. That's uh, General Dennis Miracles Abuaji, his former MCE and a member of the. Uh, campaign team of Dr. Baumia, one of the spokespersons. And that's how we end tonight's edition of Eyewitness News, which came to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu. I did this with Akosia Ochi. Production by Beverly London, Kobna Welsin, Sami Uwiafi. Technical support from Daniel Kwashi. Edwin Kwakovi handled the new media side of things. Thank you for listening. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.